Brothers, do you have any use for a clinical sexologist? You might be surprised on this edition of Frank Relationships. You're listening to Frank Relationships with Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Yes, as always, those are my babies. Thanks for getting Daddy started today. Mwah. Clinical sexologist Dr. Ava Cadell is with us today, and I'm curious, what's the number one message that you, a clinical sexologist, want men to hear and understand? Hi, Frank. So my number one message for men to understand is that women want intimacy more than anything else in a relationship. And that means sharing communication that includes compliments, appreciation, and sharing your feelings. Yes, we love sensitive men. So that's my number one message in a, in a nutshell. In terms of sensitive men, I have seen women get turned off by men being a little overly sensitive. Crybabies. Yeah. Well, I'm not talking about being a crybaby. What I'm talking about <laughs> is, you know, getting close and sharing your feelings and just being a best friend as well as a lover. And, you know, just really communicating your wants and your needs positively and, and those kinds of things, which a lot of men think is unmanly and uh, being more romantic. I've been so, in I've been in long term, uh, a long term relationship of note where we didn't even like each other. How do how and and the concept of being best friends it's it was like an oxymoron. We could be lovers, but best friends wasn't going to happen. So how do what do you say to me? Uh, maybe even what do you say to her? Well, I my one of my very first books was called Twelve Steps to Everlasting Love, and in it I wrote you must have five ingredients for a lasting love relationship, and one of them is friendship, which means you can rely on that person with your life. That's how reliable both of you need to be another one is open honest communication the third is trust the fourth is respect and the last is passion so it sounds like you guys had the passion but nothing else which means it's probably not going to be the love of your life mm -hmm. mm. i think you were right <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. Not every relationship needs to last. Most relationships end exactly when they're supposed to. Mm. Do you know, you, have you been sneaking in my files or something? Mm. <laughs> it's my telepathy. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a chapter in my book. It's called Most Relationships End Perfectly. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Good. 
we're on the same page. We're I love same. that. I can't stand it. <laughs> you can't stand the chapter or I that reality. I can't stand it. We're on the same page. I'm supposed to be an outlier. Oh, I'm weird. You know, I'm the guy sitting in the corner mumbling to himself, trying to come up with new concepts or thinking about that weird stuff that he's always thinking about. Nobody else is supposed to be thinking about the stuff I'm thinking about. What's your problem, Dr. Cadell? Well, Frank, I've been doing this 25 years, wow. so I know a lot of stuff. And the only thing I'm addicted to is knowledge. Mm. And I just you know, I have my own university online, so I'm a great believer that every adult in the world should have access to the information that you and I have mm. to empower them, you know, and, and educate them about love and sex and relationships, all the good, the bad, everything. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Is, okay, is there a message that you, a woman that presumably listens to women discuss sex is there a message that you with those shoes on want to share with men or want men to to understand well yeah i mean as a woman we really want a man to fulfill three needs and it's hard to find one man that can fulfill all three needs and one is somebody that we can look up to, somebody that we can respect, sort of an authority figure, much like our father, if he was a good father. Mm. And then we want that naughty little boy, mischievous, fun side of a man who's playful, sort of like a kid who never grew up. And then finally, we want a lover with a slow hand. Mm. And I know you know what I mean by that. Jeff, you are, you are <laughs> slipping. <laughs> Jeff, you're slipping, because I tell you, when Jeff is on it, like, when he is absolutely at his most mischievous, he will have, he would have had that song, I want to love oh, with a slow hand. He would have oh, right. weaved it right into what right, you just said. Right, right, right. Boy, the sisters, He's daydreaming come. over there. No telling what he's looking at. He's Amazon. He's examining his gifts. own hands. <laughs> What do you have to say for yourself, Jeff? I disagree with the slow hand comment. <laughs> really? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Oh. He's fast hand Luke, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean you disagree that it's across the board or that it's ever necessary? No, just in theory. Mm -hmm. You have to, uh, everything in moderation. Okay. okay. Slow, fast, in between. Okay. I don't okay. even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I'm not a sexologist. Let us move on. I just play one. Right. <laughs> when you get home. <laughs> okay. Uh, look up to respect like a like a father. Play with. Mm -hmm. Naughty, playful, and a lover with a slow hand. Okay. Tell me what about this. What happened to the old provide and protect game? Dr. Cadell? Thank you, Nancy. Well, that comes with number one, the authority figure, somebody okay. who can protect you and take care of you. And yeah, all three areas have many facets to them. But basically, every woman's looking for a daddy, a kid, and then a seducer. We, mm. want, we want all three in one man. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I mean, Is that unreasonable to expect? Yes. <laughs> Mm. Wow. You know, not, none of us will ever have the perfect relationship. It doesn't exist. And so that's why we have to have girlfriends to go shopping with. And we have to have other people that we can talk about fantasies or about wants and needs that we feel 
that our partner might judge us or ridicule us or, you know, just not or lose respect for us, heaven forbid. So you'll never find anybody that's 100% perfect. And that's why, as adults, we have to learn how to negotiate in and out of the bedroom. What about developing your relationship and the communication within your relationship to the point where your lover does not look down on you because of some fantasy that you have, no matter how whatever it might be. Well, that's the uh, ideal, right? Yeah, that's Yeah, I mean, that's true. You you definitely want to talk about your boundaries and your deal breakers and your fantasies and desires early on in your relationship to see if your partner can handle that. Because if they are judgmental of you, then you know, you probably should kick them to the curb. It's not going to work out. So, I think that's really a good point and you know, when couples come to see me in crisis, it's usually because somebody's overstepped a boundary that they didn't know existed. So um, it's really important to talk about your limitations and boundaries. Do you think monogamy is a realistic expectation in a long-term relationship, Doctor? I don't think that monogamy is normal. It's definitely not. It's uh, very difficult for most human beings to stay with one person for 50 years or more. But it's a choice that some people make and some couples make a commitment to. So it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. You speak of boundaries. And as I get up in my age, I guess it is, I am... I'm, I don't, well, well, okay, two things on boundaries. One is some people, you, you said uh, it may be, it's good to talk about boundaries and deal breakers early um, and kick that person to the curb if they are judgmental or looking down on you or whatever, whatever, you know, whatever have you. The, however, there are two schools of thought that, and I see the merit to both of them. One is, well, maybe there's more than one. One is you don't necessarily have to talk about your boundaries or deal breakers up front. And if they become issues, then you deal with them when they come up. And if you got to split, you got to split, you know, you do, you deal with it then. Um, I can see the merits to that. Mm-hmm. Another is where you discuss things very early. Um, but the, I can see the merits to that. The problem with that is you don't really know what, the relationship could hold. I mean, sometimes the boundaries that you believe that you hold on to so strongly don't matter when they're when the right person is in front of you. The things that you thought you would never stand for, there could be a person that rubs you a certain way and you find that you don't feel the need to hold on to them so hard. So that becomes an issue with discussing deal breakers and that sort of thing early. And and then finally, my approach is that there are no deal breakers that you just that we'll 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 figure it out no matter what you do accept you love and accept you no matter what you do and the issues that come up along the way which there very well may be that that i can foresee and that i cannot foresee whatever the case may be we'll deal with them with love and a big hug and with understanding um, sometimes it may take understanding and love that we don't immediately have access to in our own heads mm. that we may need some help with, 
And sometimes we do because we've thought about it and worked through it. And other times we just determine there's only one way this is going to be and it's loving, <laughs> even if I don't know how that looks. And we'll just roll we'll, we'll just roll with it. I so what do you say to that? That was that was a mouthful. I've been running my mouth. No, I, and I, <clears throat> I respect what you just said. It's very interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I believe that communicating boundaries to your partner lets them know you know, what your limitations and deal breakers are in advance, and it can be a powerful form of communication between couples that can actually result in deeper intimacy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maintaining boundaries contributes to feeling safe, and um, I tell my clients to create something I've come up with called a boundary box, and it's where you share your physical, emotional, and sexual boundaries, which are very, very different. So I would have you write down all your boundaries on separate pieces of paper, and then I would have you discuss each and every one of them. And, and many people don't even know what's an emotional boundary. Mm -hmm. They don't know the difference between a physical and emotional and a sexual because some boundaries include all three. Well, what are they? Right. All right, well, so a, physical, a typical physical um, is don't touch my butt in public. Okay. I have the right to determine when, where, how, and who is going to touch me. Uh, I have the right to determine how close I want someone to be next to me. So yeah. my physical boundary is really important, especially when I don't know somebody very well. But you know your husband very well. You're not even saying a stranger to, and I know you're just, no, this I'm is an example. That, well, my, I mean, I, I was married 25 years, and my husband actually passed away three years ago. What I'm saying is, now that I just started dating all over again, uh, I'm very mindful of talking about boundaries. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just, I guess it's important to me, and I don't want to waste time dating somebody who's not on the same page as me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And have you heard, I'm, I'm stuck on this particular example that you gave of touching her derriere in public. Now, I certainly understand that if she's a stranger, however, if it's my wife, I I want well, I, I want to grab it. If it's your wife, if you like. know what? Yeah. Well, if it's your wife, this then you know she probably <laughs> enjoys having her butt fondled <laughs> or pinched in public. But if you're let's you say so you're right. on a first or second date and you don't know if she likes that, you know what I what I would do is ask permission. You know, by giving her a compliment and saying, you know, you have a really beautiful butt. Mm -hmm. You know, is it okay if I just, Palm you know, it. touch it or hug it Palm or pinch it, it in public because it's just so pretty and sexy? And she'll say yes or no. I like you it. You know, with, with all this new um, media, you know, that's out about um, the Me Too movement, mm -hmm. I, I'm trying to help men understand that simply by asking permission is the best way to communicate with a woman, uh, and she'll tell you what she likes, what's what's allowed for her. Mm -hmm. no, you know so I, I know that was a pretty little heavy with the physical boundary. I mean, there are many others. What's an emotional too. boundary? Sorry, what's an emotional. An emotional. One? So an emotional boundary is what I think or feel or do or don't do is more about me than it is about you. So, for example, 
I might want to say if I'm going out with somebody and I'm thinking about getting intimate with them, I might want to say, please don't talk about your past relationships because I'm only interested in our relationship now and our relationship in the future. I don't need to know about your past relationships, and I don't want to feel like you're comparing me to other lovers. Mm-hmm. So that could be an emotional boundary. I got one. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, go for it. Um, all right. I was I was talking to one of the. He's actually one of the top speakers in the world. Willie Jolly. Okay. You may have heard of. Yeah. Him. Um, talking to him. This was some years ago. Um, and I was I wrote a blog about him, and he said he has a deal with his wife. They've been they've been together for you know oh, a long time. Yeah. yeah. And he said he cannot yell at her. And she cannot threaten to leave him. Mm. That's an agreement that they have negotiated. Okay. She can't threaten to leave him. Very good. Exactly. Because, you know, yelling and screaming at somebody is a form of emotional abuse. And threatening to leave somebody when you have no intention of is also a form of emotional abuse. So Mm. that's a really smart boundary. Mm. Interesting. Okay, what's the third one? We got we got physical, we got emotional, emotional, and come on, you guys know what a sexual boundary oh, is. Oh, sexual. Okay. <laughs> he was lumping that That's in with the physical. That's what you will do sexually, and more importantly, what, what you, you won't, won't do, do sexually. Yeah. So I'll give you a couple of very common ones. One is I won't have sex with you when you are watching porn. Mm. It's a it's a common one that women express. And um, it's a turnoff for a lot of women because they think the guy is fantasizing about the the girl in the porn. And then they also think that they want their lover to emulate what they're seeing in the porn. So a lot of women really feel that porn is a boundary, while others don't. Um, But another common one is I don't want to have a threesome with you. That's a popular one, too. Okay. Does that mean you just don't want to have it with that person, but you're okay to have it with somebody else? Let me say this. It's interesting. As I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, okay, it's quite possible that you are open to something with one partner Mm -hmm. that for whatever reason you're not open to universally. That's what I was talking about when I said absolutely 100%. Yeah. You, you know, and you make love to different people in different ways. There's right. different chemistry and different um, forms of communication and literally synergy. The energy is mm. different. Yeah. So, yes, your boundaries will be different with different people. Right. Um, or you could have one major deal breaker. I mean, of course, there are some that are universal, like, you know, if you ever hit me, that's it. I'm done. That's a deal breaker. And for some people, it's cheating. So, you know, there are certain deal breakers that it doesn't matter who your partner is. It's still a deal breaker for you. Correct me if I'm wrong, doctor, but wouldn't communication be that common denominator that could ease or help to um, negotiate some of these boundaries? Because as relationships grow, Boundaries shift and either get more strict or more lenient. Uh, And I'm talking physical, emotional, mental, as well as sexual. 
And so then I use the word communication. I don't know if you feel that, you know, how, how strongly should someone stick to their guns, so to speak, when it comes to those boundaries? Well, I think you should never do anything that goes against your values. And boundaries are acts and activities that establish our comfort zone. So I do agree with you that they can change, but having them, having really strong boundaries gives us self-value and respect. So when I see a couple, and I've never met them before, I tell them to do some homework before they come to my office, and I tell them to write a love list. So I tell them to, and not to show each other till they get to my office. So the first list is everything you love about your partner, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, sexually. The second list is everything you want to improve in the relationship. And then the third list is the most important, things you will not change for your partner, for anyone. Mm. Things that you feel very strongly about that are deal breakers, and you absolutely will not change your behavior. And believe me, people have various things from religion to um, smoking or drinking or going out with friends or, you know, all kinds of things that are really, really important. So nobody wants to be a doormat for their partner. So I'm a great believer in being strong about your convictions and uh, just knowing what your limitations are and then communicating them with love and respect. Welcome to Frank Relationships, a show for you, my brethren, who, like me, are too young to be considered old and too old to be considered young. It's also for those of you who love and support us. We're here to provide weekly wisdom, conversation, and the information that will help create loving and flexible parents and partners. I'm Frank Love, and you can find me my blog, and my various social media incarnations at franklove.com. If you're listening to the show on Blog Talk Radio, please follow us, and via iTunes, please subscribe so that you can effortlessly get the show each week. Also, if you're enjoying the show, and of course you are, please give us a favorable iTunes rating, and please share it with your family and friends on your favorite social media platform. We're always looking for new social media friends, so please help us help our communities by spreading the word about the show. Greetings to my co-host, Nancy Goldring. I'm waiting. <laughs> the consummate generalist. No, 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 dude. Super duper co-host. Thank you. Okay. I'm billed nationwide <laughs> and around the world now as the super duper <laughs> co-host. You cannot demote me now. Oh, boy. I have a reputation to uphold. She actually kept the pause <laughs> like... uh <laughs> <laughs> you clearly have uh, forgotten my full title. <laughs> exactly. Get it right. <laughs> All right. Today's guest's mission is to promote the benefits of healthy love and intimacy around the globe. And she believes that training students worldwide is one way to spread her positive message. She's the president of the American College of Sexologists International and hosts a popular sex news blog at www.sexpert.com. Through her private practice in Los Angeles, she counsels people on their personal issues, including fear of intimacy, lack of communication, and lack of desire, and is dedicated her life to helping people overcome sexual 
guilt, and shame. Mm. So they can enjoy the best sex of their lives. That said, if you, like me, want to know the definition of a sexual abuse victim, why so many sexual abuse victims wait years to speak out about their abuse, and what can a sexual abuse victim do to heal, then stay tuned as your Frank Relationship Team talks with author and clinical sexologist, Dr. Ava Cardell. Welcome to the show. Wow, thank you. What a nice introduction, Frank. Thank you. Am I saying your name correctly? Um, it's close, Dr. Ava Cadell. Cadell. It's pretty close. All right, yep. all right. <laughs> well, before we get even further into the show, I got, I, I got an issue to raise. And the funny thing is, it touches so closely on what we've already been talking about. This is our, this is our in the news segment. All right, so um, there's a woman. I, I read an article. Well, do you have anything, Nancy? I did, but I forgot it. Just okay. when you said, do you have anything, Nancy? <laughs> I had Nancy. it, like, right there. I said, oh, I can't wait to say this, and now I can't even think of what it is. Go on. <sighs> okay. <laughs> a woman by the name of Anna Kendrick, she, she uh, I read an article about her yesterday online, and where she said that um, she ended a relationship because the guy violated her boundaries. But it's not the kind of boundaries we usually, you know, something with a sexual tone and that kind of thing that, that's in the news these days. It was the guy was tickling her. Okay. And she said, I know people often, you know, laugh and joke about that and it's laugh it's funny, but I don't like it. It's it if it leads me something along the lines of it leads me to feel out of control and I don't like it. Please do that. Please don't do that. Please don't do that, right? I gotcha. And he thought she was being silly, so he went on and tickled her some more. Yeah. And she broke up with him. Wow. Yeah. Wow. She did the right thing. I mean, it could have been something else. It could have been, you know, tying her up that she didn't want, and then this same guy would have tied her up. Mm -hmm. You know, tickling is it's a fetish that some people love and other people hate because, yes, it does make them feel out of control. Sometimes it even um, restricts the breathing mm -hmm. because of the, <clears throat> you know, the involuntary laughing that it, that it has the effect of. So she did the right thing. She warned him. She told him it was a boundary. He didn't give a damn. He did it. And I'm, I think she did exactly the right thing because this guy does not respect her boundaries. Mm. So who knows what other boundaries he would have violated in the future. Funny enough, I tend to agree. Um, Maya Angelou <laughs> said, when people tell you who they are, believe them. Right. And uh, in many ways, he told her who he was. And that if he thought that it was not a big <coughs> deal, he was going to proceed as though it wasn't a big deal, despite what she said. Right. I yeah, they both showed each other their true character, and they weren't compatible. Mm -hmm. what, mm. what you got, Nancy? I, I just feel like I can certainly see... I don't disagree with the action she took. I just can see how he thought she was kidding. Mm -hmm. Like I've never heard anybody, this is the first time I've ever heard anybody say being tickled made them feel out of control. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, out of control? Like, isn't that the point? <laughs> you know, because of course I'm not, 
I, let me put it this way. I used to love being tickled. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I love it anymore, but mm -hmm. it's not because it doesn't make me feel, not because it makes me feel out of control. It just doesn't do anything for me. Mm -hmm. And yet, because it's such a fun, light-hearted, light-spirited thing, I can see somebody thinking you're joking mm -hmm. when you say you don't like to be tickled. And yet, as Dr. Cadell says, this notion of someone violating your boundaries and if they think this is nothing, then how far can that go? Mm. I think there's a lot of merit in that. There's another side to it also. And we're talking as though she did the right thing for herself, but she might have more to the point on another side of it, done the right thing for him because she could be nuts. And, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, oh, right? I mean, it's oh real. Oh, my goodness. She <laughs> could be nuts. <laughs> she, you know, she, one in five people do have mental illness. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, he could have been nuts too, Frank. Yes, he could. But we kind of touched on that. We, we, we put it... <laughs> <laughs> we 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 yes, talked about it. For tat, aren't you? Yes, we t well we talked about it as though he messed up, yeah. but we didn't talk yeah. about it as yeah. though she, she messed up, or she and, had or some issue she, of her own. Yes, or that she yeah, yeah exactly exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so it could be she split with him, but that uh, in the long run that could have been a real lifesaver for him. I mean, he may look back years to come, and if he if they would have been in a relationship, been glad he tickled her because perhaps she perhaps she had more than more than just this as a i guess in many ways a deal breaker uh, perhaps he had a laundry list of them and he'd be stepping on eggshells who knows who knows i mean i don't know let's make that clear i'm just throwing out the the option the the, the perspective whatever have you or it could be something story. as simple as if somebody tickles her too much it makes her pee Mm -hmm. I mean, it could just be oh, an embarrassment wow. situation. Wow. Whatever yeah. it is, That's I think valid. they're both better off without each other. Mm. That's there you go. Most relationships <laughs> end perfectly, and and when I wrote that, part of a big part of what I was saying was the relationship. Relationships have to work for both individuals, and when they don't work for both, they're not working working for either. Because if you want to just, you wanting to be in a relationship that's with someone who doesn't want to be in a relationship with you is absurd. Uh, in, in many ways, that means you are not caring about the other person. And it and then if both of you all don't want to be it, I mean, that certainly is a time. Well, to you know what? It's funny you say that. I'm looking at in those instances where you meet someone like let's say I meet a guy and I think he's a cool guy but I don't want to be in an intimate relationship with him mm -hmm. and sometimes the the guy just sees that as part of the challenge mm -hmm. he thinks oh you need to get to know me better or if we spend more time together or if we do you know like somehow I'm going to change my mind mm. and I don't think that that's healthy like it's not only not healthy for the person you're interested in it's not healthy for the guy. I get it. Or, you know, or the woman, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And yet that definitely happens. And you can invest a lot of time in a person <coughs> thinking you're going to change their point of view about you. Mm -hmm. the, the, other, uh, the other side to what I was saying about the, the book was when an issue comes up, 
in the relationship that you all aren't able to get around or navigate. Sure. I mean, that's just, that is, that's why people split. And that's when you know, when it comes up. So you deal with it <laughs> when it arises. And this was the perfect time for us to split because we just learned something and we, we just learned something about one something another. splittable. Yeah. And we, we move on. I mean, Got the, it. It, the resentment on why you did X, Y, and Z. I mean, why I did X, Y, and Z. Who cares? It just, it is no longer working for the two of us. Period. All right. We can, we can move on. You got anything on that, Doc? I agree with you. Yeah, you guys are good. You should be sexologists. <laughs> Mercy. That's another show. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. All right, Doc. Um, tell me about tell me about your book. You got a new book. Well, I'm still writing it. I'm, it's going to be coming out early next year. But yes, yeah, so the book is called The Healing Power of Me Too, mm. Loving Solutions for Sexual Abuse Survivors. Because I really think it's about time that we put a stop to these egomaniac, power-hungry, self-entitled predators who have absolutely no respect for women and men, no control over their sexuality, and they refuse to accept the word no as stop. And so in my book, I dive into all the definitions of abuse and how we can fight it on a personal level and also as a, you know, a society. Um, Things have got to change. So that's why this is probably the most important book that I've ever written. Okay. Can you tell us, can you give me some insight into the, the definitions around abuse? Yeah. I mean, sexual abuse or just mm -hmm. abuse? E, well, let's go with sexual abuse. Okay. So a victim of sexual abuse is anyone who's been forced to engage in sexual conduct of any kind against their will, whether it's um, child sex abuse, date rape, stranger assault, incest, um, intimate partner sexual assault, uh, stalking, sexual harassment, indecent exposure, uh, all of these things, even, even pornography, especially child pornography, of course. But all of these are examples of sexual abuse and the problem is that they're not all against the law yet but i think they're going to be mm. because of the me too movement and what is what is your thoughts what are what are your thoughts on this the me too movement well i mean i'm really happy that it's finally come out because it's about time that people who are abusers are being punished. It's, it's happened for decades and even centuries. Hundreds of years. Yeah, and, but now it's going to change our society. You know, um, the abusers have been fired from their powerful jobs. They've been outed publicly. And this is definitely making a difference for women's advancement. But now we must educate everybody to immediately point out harassment at the moment it happens. You know, we throw around the term zero tolerance a lot, but that's exactly what's needed. So if you let one breast-grabbing, uh, you know, incident go unmentioned, then you're basically enabling the abuser. And uh, silence can be deadly when it comes to sexual abuse and, and violence, too. 
So I, I, I'm glad that this is happening, and I think it's really important for us to teach our children to tell someone immediately if anybody touches them inappropriately, and we need to teach boys and girls how to listen to each other, respect each other, and I think it's totally going to change our society for the better. One of the, one of the conversations I've had <clears throat> with with different people over the years was number one it was what is abuse and another is sometimes you have individuals telling others that they were abused and when I say when I so Nancy may see Sharon was and dealt with a certain way or Sharon told Nancy about some experience that she had and then Nancy may say you were abused mm, yes I question whether it's abuse if you have to be told if Sharon didn't think it was abuse right. was it abuse right what are your thoughts I think if you feel like you've been abused you've been abused mm. and I think it's really important to talk about it you know a lot of women especially and, and men I've noticed in the media have not come forward to talk about it because it's not easy, um, mainly because of the scrutiny that gets turned on them, the people that have been abused. Um, like, uh, you know, I've already heard a woman wore such a low-cut blouse or short skirt, she was asking for it. So, you know, suffering in silence is very painful, and I want all abuse victims to feel heard so that they can heal. And if you think you've been abused, then you have been abused. That seems that seems like a stretch. If you think you've been no, abused, it's, you've been it's abused. A, it's not a stretch. Again, we're getting back to boundaries. So, mm. you know, one woman might think that wolf whistles and, uh, hey, baby, great, you know, rack or whatever is abusive, whereas another woman might feel Flattered. complimented by that. Right. And, but both have been abused if they say it. I mean, if the the it, it's no. She's say saying that what one perceives as abuse, the other may not. Right. Thank it's, you, Nancy. Exactly. So, exactly. Okay, but the one who feels as though uh, uh, it's it, it, a woman who thinks it's abusive for a man to just simply say hello. No, we didn't say hello. We no, didn't no, say no, no, no. We he, said you've got a nice rack right. and hey, baby, and right. wolf whistling. But if in the example you gave, you're just you're saying if you, bottom line, you're saying if she believes it's abuse, it's abuse. Now, right. imagine if a man is just says says hello to her and she feels it's abuse. Does no, that? That's, that's nobody thinks of being saying that's said honey, hello that's totally to. That's totally unrealistic. We have no. to. Well, we have to intellectualize this because it is a huge topic, and so. You know, we, we want to be very honest and candid, and nobody's ever said that it's abusive to say hello. Right. No, I don't agree. In fact, there are times when you you there are times when you hear a woman or people, but I'll say a woman in this case say something to the effect of, "I just felt uncomfortable around him." You know, it it was, and they'll call the police. And say, and we'll try to make it a form of abuse, like somebody needs to do something because I just feel uncomfortable. It, the person could have done nothing that they can put their finger on. That's, I mean, you, you're saying that's abuse? No, that's not well, abuse. What I'm say, well, okay. 
So a woman might feel uncomfortable if she feels the guy's a creepy-looking guy mm -hmm. who's looking at her cleavage and saying hello. Okay. I'm just, you know, I'm just um, sort of improvising here. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, she leaves. Uh, but she can't, he hasn't committed a crime, but she feels uncomfortable around him. So of her own free will, she leaves. That's not abuse. But so if she reported that, if she tried to make a police report, they wouldn't take it because it's not any kind of he harassment. He hasn't done anything. Goja. But to your original point, maybe someone else, her friend Cindy, thinks it is abuse and says to her, you were abused. He said, hey, baby, when he should have said, hello, Cindy. Cindy. Yeah. Yeah, but it's I hear not. You, and you're right. But it's you're not. Right. Inappropriate a, behavior a is not a line between what some people perceive as abusive versus other people. What do we do with that that's then? Why, well, that's why we are making, we are coming out with new laws. We have hotlines now. Uh, the Screen Actors Guild has a hotline in place, you know, for. Um, Anybody that feels they've been abused by someone in the entertainment industry, I think it's really important for people at work to read the uh, small print about sexual harassment, what it is, what to do, exactly what to do if it happens. So knowledge is power. It is, a, it is an important conversation to have, and it's a slippery slope. And there's a lot to just be aware of around the issue in general. Honesty is power as well. And we talked about this in one of your more recent shows. The responsibility for women who have been abused or have been perceived as being abused to every other woman, woman in the world is to maintain that honesty. Because if you lie about something as serious as abuse or harassment, and you haven't been, someone just said hello to you, but you were offended or felt uncomfortable, to call that abuse or harassment diminishes the credibility of those women who really were harassed or abused. So that's a very important, doctor, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's an important element to teach young children, male and female, about oh, this issue. absolutely, and you're right. There are some women who are just jumping on the bandwagon and yelling abuse for, you know, quite frivolous reasons. So I do agree with you. Why do you think uh, it takes so long for some abuse victims to speak out about their abuse? And how does that, not only that, but how does that go hand in hand with what we are talking about in terms of if someone has to tell you it's abuse, was it abuse? Um, I'm curious how, how the two meld. I mean, they, they're worried about getting attacked with scrutiny of their character, as we've talked about. Um, they're also scared because some of the predators could ruin their career or even um, issue death threats if they tell anybody that they were sexually abused by them. And, um, and then they appear, you know, if they appear to be friends with the predator, like on Facebook or something, then people might think that that negates the crime. So women are very afraid of, of being judged as being broken, 
and as being victims. So it's actually hardest for the successful women to come out and talk about it. And then there's other issues like memory suppression. You know, some victims literally have blocked out the incident um, and it's hard for them to talk about. And then others don't know who to tell because not everybody has a trusted friend or a therapist. And um, then there's self-protection. You know, silence is a form of uh, comfort and um, where nobody can make waves or shake things up. So a lot of people just keep it keep it quiet for many, 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 many years and they never heal. What would you like Jeff and I to walk away from this conversation with you and go proselytize? What, what message? I mean, the message is to think before you say something or before you do something that could be perceived as sexual harassment or abuse. It's oh. a new time. It's a new world. And so I think that asking permission to kiss a woman on the first date is a beautiful way to combat any miscommunication. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I just think uh, be more mindful of uh, things that you say and do to, to new women who you might be dating or working with. Um, and, and I want to help uh, people who have made mistakes. Mm. You know, men, I, I think if men apologize freely and make a commitment to never do the behavior again that maybe was um, considered a harsh consequence, that's great. Sometimes all women want is an apology. Mm -hmm. That's all they want. They don't want money. They don't want uh, to create bad publicity. They just want a guy to say, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't know that that would offend you. Mm -hmm. mm. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, I think I've discussed Louis C.K. on our, our last show, too. And, and my understanding of what he did, allegedly, or, or maybe that he admitted to, I forget which, what the details are, um, but he be masturbated in front of two women that came to his house is that right he asked uh he would ask women to if they would kind of participate like watch him mm -hmm. and i read where one woman was like no you know mm -hmm. and i think there was another incident where a woman walked in on him in the throes of his little game masturbatory mm -hmm. game and he Somehow it was a setup, like he knew she was coming, mm -hmm. and he was set up for her to kind of walk in on that. Interesting. Okay. And I can see, that's certainly one side of the, the spectrum in terms of sexual misconduct. Or, uh, But what I hear about Harvey Weinstein and um, Matt, Matt Lauer, Lauer, that's another side. That's like imposing, like that's a physical Imposition. Right. You're physically right. imposing your yourself. There's no gray area with those guys. Yeah, that's that's a bit different. Are you, what are your thoughts, Jeff? You got anything? Again, that fine line between inappropriate mm -hmm. and abuse or harassment. Mm -hmm. um, if you've seen Louis C.K. stand up, 
and you're a female and you're going to go hang out with him, you can expect some disrespectful. <laughs> it's his act. <laughs> mm-hmm. But and these women were working with him. And that's what he said. And he didn't justify it. He just said, that that's me. Mm-hmm. That's it. And he didn't rape anybody. Um, I don't know that they're calling it abuse. They're calling it inappropriate. Kind of inappropriate. Uh-huh. Um, but to be labeled and blacklisted mm-hmm. because of these things, which made him successful in the first place. Mm-hmm. Th- again, that's a, that's well, a weird Charlie dynamic. Charlie Rose didn't do anything that was horribly different from him. And who would have thought that Charlie Rose... Charlie Rose, Rose isn't on CBS This Morning talking about masturbating. Um, but my it. point is, you, I like, w- when I even heard Charlie Rose's name in this context, mm-hmm. I was blown away. You're going to get surprised a whole lot more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Believe me. Yeah. Mario Batagli. I mean, the, the names that are dropping now. Right. Mm-hmm. Tavis Smiley. And, right. and again, I happen to know, t- I don't want to get a whole into that. Sure. I don't think it was abuse or harassment. Mm-hmm. Right. Inappropriate by someone's standards? Perhaps. Sure. Right. What I appreciated about Louis C.K. was he said, I did it. And he said, he said it, and what I extracted from that was, let's talk. Um, you know, it's, it didn't seem like he was saying, I did it, I should be locked up and put under the jail, but I did it and let's, it wasn't cool. Right. And what, what do we do with this? Right. In a productive manner. Doctor, are any of your, um, clients, patients, folks you speak with in their, um, dealing with overcoming abuse or harassment or the victim of something that was inappropriate? Uh, does an apology go a long way, or are they scarred beyond repair? Well, it, it you know changes from person to person depending on what kind of abuse they experienced. But yes, an apology does go a long way because um, then they can forgive them too. Mm-hmm. And you know it's really important. I tell my clients to forgive themselves and to forgive the person that violated them when they're ready because forgiveness is not the same as forgetting and they are forgiving more for themselves than for the abuser so that the scar can heal and uh, release the pain. And so that is one of the first steps. And, you know, I hear you talking about all the various um, people from Matt Lauer to um, the, the comedian. and and Harvey Weinstein, and the common denominator is that they all abuse their power. Mm. That's the common denominator, and that's what's wrong, and that's why they're all being punished. Unfortunately, this is still just the tip of the iceberg, and I know of actors and directors and producers who are just as abusive as Harvey, and they will not be punished to the same extent as Harvey Weinstein because they can't cut them out of every movie they've ever appeared in. So, you know, it's, it's um, a huge dilemma that Hollywood is somehow going to have to uh, overcome. And I, I don't know how they're going to do it because there's just too many perpetrators, too what many is- victims. What are some of the actions that you recommend that the abused take towards their healing? So they're saying something, even if it takes them years. 
Right. Um, so the first thing I tell them is to write down what happened and how it affected you mentally and emotionally and physically and sexually. Because once you write it down, it releases it from within. And then if you can read your story to somebody that you trust, that can help so much. Or if you don't have anybody, um, try and get a therapist. Or if you don't have that, uh, even talking to an empty chair mm. and uh, pretending that the abuser is sitting in that chair can be quite healing. Um, another thing that they can do is have a conversation with their inner child um, if they were abused when they were younger and, and find a photo of themselves that reflects their innocence and their vulnerability and sort of reparent themselves and let them know it wasn't their fault. So there's lots of um, healing to be done. And in my book, there will be over a hundred healing techniques for everyone to help them you know, with these issues. And, that, and that's, I think, the good that's coming out of this, because there's always a silver lining, you know, with every adversity that human beings come upon. And that's what I hope to contribute. What kind of pushback do you expect from men in the workplace? Oh, a lot. I think they're not going to be hiring that many women, which is one. Uh, I mean, a lot. There's going to be a lot of pushback. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a, scenario which I'm developing in my head as we yeah. as we talk and I can see a time coming well number one Americans often talk about Muslim women and the way they cover up and you can't really see their bodies and all, and all of that under, under the clothing that they wear and the culture under the type of clothing that their culture uh, begs them to wear mm-hmm. and in American in this in this country, we are well easily much more liberal. But as things begin to become more litigious, I can see a man complaining that a woman wearing a short skirt or or form fitting outfit be, is abusive because it triggers a certain whatever in him yes that's not appropriate for the workplace and not only that but i'm sure there's research that can that can point to the fact that what a woman wears does trigger x you know a certain response in a woman in a man actually let me let you know that the research shows that men are more productive at work when women are around well, I'm not. I, I don't disagree with that at all. You said, "What if they cover up?" <laughs> it might be the same as them not being there. I'm not saying anything. I'm saying I'm sure he can make a case well, based on some research that says that her dressing if this she's way too explicit in her in her dress. Now, but that I can also say means he can't control himself. You no, know, it's uh, it doesn't it it doesn't mean that because we're not even talking about what his response is. Uh, okay. We haven't gotten to that. You're in the saying conversation. that there's just some. Now, I can I can agree, depending on you know what your, what the code of conduct and dress is in your work environment, that I, I can say hands down that there are definitely women, who wear things to work, that I'm thinking maybe she's going to a party after. 
Mm-hmm. Like I think, oh, maybe she's going to work. Like, cause I'm thinking I would never wear that to work. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's sexist to say that there are certain things that you just don't wear to work. Do you, is, is that like real Dr. Cadell? Is that like a, a function of age or something? Um, no, but it's a, it's, well, it's, it's judgment. Um, I think women should wear whatever they want to make themselves feel good, confident, happy, healthy, sexy, whatever it is. And I don't think what they wear should be used as a weapon. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about that, because then we have young guys who, who, you know, wear their pants down around their bums and nobody likes that. that. And nobody likes that. that. I wouldn't say nobody, but well, uh, I'm saying yeah, I could see a woman feeling even threatened by that. Like, what kind of guy dresses with his underwear showing and having his pants halfway down around his butt? But we don't shame them the way we shame women for wearing revealing yes, clothes. Yes, we That's do. the difference. Actually, talk- you'd be surprised. <laughs> yes, you'd be quite surprised. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and I, I want to go back to there is a. There is a unconscious response that I believe occurs. Mind you, I haven't looked at the research. Uh, I gotcha. yeah. There's an unconscious response that I believe ensues when a woman dresses a certain way and it is around men. And it's, it's not even, I'm not talking about whether the man goes with it, touches her, says anything to her. It's just it's a psychological. Yes. And he may very well feel as though that's abusive. It, and, and based on... You know, if it can be researched and says that his X, Y, and Z levels increased, which caused this and, you know. Whatever it, biological reactions. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That uh, case can be made. And then what happens? Where do we go with, all right, how should women dress? Or do women have to cover up? Or do every, does everybody have to cover it's a It's an interesting, um, interesting road that can unfold. Jeff, you got something? Not specifically. I was going to get back to who's to blame. Is it Roger Ailes or the good-looking women who bought into his culture and abide by it and the lemmings watch on Fox every day? Mm-hmm. Who's to blame? Mm-hmm. Slippery slope. Well, I think we're all going to find ourselves not so much to blame, but having to take full responsibility. Mm. Really. Yeah, and that's and a I very think, different you know, thing. It's, it's but our responsibility as individuals to recognize personal boundaries and to respect each other's wishes. Yeah. When it comes to our, the way we dress, and, 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 and self-control is paramount. That's what we've been noticing is the lack of self-control. And, um, mm. you know, uh, and now we have this sort of, this, this rape culture Wow. That's uh, being thrown at us every day. Um, all the, you know, you were just talking about Fox. They're well known for having beautiful, sexy women on air. They're, they're told to dress provocatively because everybody wants to see an attractive woman doing the news. Um, so was it their fault? I don't think so. Okay. Well. You uh, you got a good book for us besides your book. You got a good book you would suggest that uh, that me, Nancy, or our listeners take a look at. Well, my favorite book is actually called Neurolivology. It's the science of 
you know, the neuroscience blended with the science of love and sex. And um, it's endorsed by Dr. John Gray, who wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Mm -hmm. So I guarantee that there's stuff in there that you'll enjoy. And that's your book, and, right? No. Yeah, my book. I wrote Neurolobology. Oh, Neuro yes, it's available okay. everywhere, um, Amazon, or you can just go to my website, avacadell.com. All right. And how about a good movie? Got a good movie for us? Oh, a good movie. Any romantic movie you watch together is going to be the best way to, you know, uh, be more intimate over the holidays. Oh, that's such a, a nice, politically correct thing to say. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Any romantic comedy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. None of y'all's picks. Together. Like Caligula? <laughs> <laughs> definition you got you got some serious boundary issues with movies that, that's no boundaries <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to frank relationships and we've been talking with author and clinical sexologist dr ava cadell doc please uh tell us what you're up to and how we can find you thank you well i'm finishing my book right now and uh, i'm always doing new courses on my loveology university that's at loveuniv.com. I've got over 36 courses on love, romance, relationships, and sex. And what does a course look like? Is it five minutes? Is it an hour, five oh, hours? Oh, no, they're huge. They're over 100 slides. They're, per they're narrated. Uh, there's visuals of every single course. There's a quiz to make sure that you understood the course. Mm -hmm. And I just added two courses on transgender. Um, but there's communication, there's kissing, there's flirting, there's dating, and then there's naughty things like oral pleasure and uh, sexual positions. So there's something for everyone. What might, uh, if, would I, if I sign up, or when I sign up, is there, should I expect to sign up for a year or a semester one yeah, or one course? Or how, what are you, what are you offering? Well, if it was you, Frank, I would recommend that you sign up to be the Love Coach, which is the ultimate program that I have. It's a certified Love Coach, and it wouldn't take you more than six months to graduate. And for that, you would see every one of the courses, and you'd have a major exam. But I know you would pass with flying colors. Of course I will. <laughs> Scary. Okay. Which, uh, who is this? <laughs> are they webinars, doctor, or are some of them live? Like, are you present? Yeah, there, there's there's live training videos. Um, there's uh, you know instructional DVDs, okay. which are very explicit. Mm. And then there's actual slideshows. There's eBooks. There's every kind of okay. multimedia. Okay. Excellent. Along today's journey, we've discussed sexual abuse, boundaries, and we even discuss physical appearances. Thank you to my co-host, Nancy. Thanks to Jeff Noman, my engineer. And thank you to my guest, Dr. Ava Cadell. You've been great. I hope you've had as much fun as I've had hanging out with today's ensemble. As always, it's my wish for you to walk away from this conversation with a heaping helping of useful information that'll help you create a relationship that's as loving and accepting as possible. Let us know what you thought of today's show at Facebook forward slash Relationship F Love, on Twitter at Mr. That's M-R Frank Love, or at franklove.com. If you're listening via Blog Talk Radio, make sure you like us there, and if via iTunes, make sure you subscribe so that you can receive each week's 
show. This is Frank Love. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> I told you he was the man. <laughs>